God, he is so good to us. I love building my life on nothing less than Jesus. He is the best foundation. He is the firmest foundation. He is the only one that can transcend and change your life forever. Man, I love who he is. How many guys just love who he is? He's an incredible God. He's an incredible God. Hey, if you're watching online, welcome to Hope Church. If it's your first time, go ahead, text I am a VIP to 94090. We'd love to connect with you today. Hey, and if it's your first time in the house this morning, welcome to Hope. Can we just welcome everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. You matter to us because you matter to God, and we're so excited that you're here in the middle of this Thanksgiving holiday kind of long, long weekend. How many guys had a good Thanksgiving? Come on. We had so much to be thankful for, and I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful to be your pastor. If you haven't met me yet, my name's Nate. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope. And man, am I thankful. I'm grateful. I believe we get to lead some of the most free, liberating, uh, fun people in the whole city who love Jesus with all their heart. Come on, if you love Jesus, give him one more shout of praise this morning. Come on. And, uh, man, we believe church is to be enjoyed, not endured. And uh, I, I think about it coming into church this morning. Man, do I like this place that we're building? Or Yes, do I like the atmosphere here? Do I like this, the name above every name that we get to worship? And the answer is a resounding yes. It is a privilege and an honor to be in his presence, lifting up his praises with his people today. We love the presence of God. It's our first core value here at Hope Church. His presence is our priority. And man, people matter. We want everybody to experience God, to find the hope that we have in Jesus. Yes, we're not giving away something we don't have. We're giving away what we found in Jesus. And there is so much life. There is so much freedom. There is such a foundation in the name of Jesus. And we want you to discover it today. We want it to change your life. If you've known Jesus your whole life, we want you to connect to him at a another level today like you never have before and be set free everybody say free. free it was for freedom that Christ has set you free come on he has given us life to the fullest he wants freedom forevermore he wants freedom for every single person in this house today and we are so excited to be kicking off our brand new series today called advantageous everybody say advent advantageous and also the advantages. I know it doesn't spell that, but this series, we're going to be talking about advantages. The word advent is in the Latin language, and it's, 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 ad, it's called adventist is the word. And it simply means this, coming. Turn to your neighbor and say, coming. Coming. The Advent season is December 1st to December 24th. It's a season where people pause in celebration of the coming or the birth of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but every now and then, I just need to pause for the cause and acknowledge I'm so glad that Jesus came into my life. I'm so glad that he's here. I'm so glad he came. It's the time of year where we recognize it's because he came down that my life went up. It's because he was rejected that my life has been accepted. It is because of him covering my shortcomings that I can live shame-free. How many are glad that Jesus came for you? Come on. I like to say I don't know where I would be. I don't know who I would be. I don't know how I would be if he had not come for me. 
And I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful for the ultimate gift that came into my life. And he wasn't just a present under a tree. He was a present on a tree. His name is Jesus Christ. And I'm so glad that he came for me. How many of you guys are glad he came on that tree for you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And here's the heart of this series. His coming, his presence, his advent on earth 2,000 years ago has given me so many real life presents today. His presence coming to earth gives me real life presence today. His coming, his advent has given us so many advantages in everyday life. I'm here to tell you, watching online this morning, he's an everyday God for everyday life. This is not some high, ethereal, super spiritual thing, gyration that we're doing here called church. This is actually a a celebration of something that happens every single day of our lives. We don't just come and taste victory. We walk in victory. We don't come just to sing a song. We sing songs all week long of praise and thanks and advantages out the wazoo are found in Jesus. He actually makes our real life better. He's the God who said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. And believe me, it's not one day a week when we gather together. It's an everyday God with so many advantages in our lives. And throughout this series, we're going to break some of them down. There are so many advantages. Everybody say, so many. So many advantages to following Jesus. But none of them would be made possible without his advent, without his coming. Anybody thankful for Jesus before we get started? Come on, anybody thankful that he's Emmanuel, God who came to be with us? Psalms 103, David said it like this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that's within me, and forget not all his benefits. So many people want to belittle the benefits of God. We're here to to show, to explore them, to show you all the benefits. We don't want you to forget all of his advantages. Who forgives, not just some of your sin, all of your iniquities. Who heals, not just some of your body, all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Come on, I thought we were in church this morning, celebrating the goodness of God, living out of the fruit of what we experience every week. Come on, he saves your life from destruction. Anybody here today been saved from a life of destruction? Come on. This is a live church. A live church is not a quiet church. A quiet church is a dead church. Let's respond to the word of God today. We're reading from Psalms 103. Who heals all your diseases, redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. Mercy new every stinking morning kind of mercy. That's a chance upon chance upon chance who satisfies your mouth with good things. That's the God I serve. He satisfies so that your youth is renewed like eagles' wings. Come on now. So exciting. This Advent season, let's not forget all of his benefits. To be thankful, you got to remember what he has done for you. We just went through a whole season. Thanksgiving, is, I had some, somebody tell me, I said, I mean, I'm so thankful for you. And I'm so, I just want to say thank you this morning. And one of these little guys came up to me and said, Thanksgiving is over. I said, but man, I'm so thankful. I'm still thankful. I know Thanksgiving's over, but I am so thankful. Anybody still thankful? Remembering the advantages of Jesus this morning. We are still thankful. Come on now. Don't forget the benefits of Jesus. Let us celebrate him and take advantage of God being with us. Advantage of the Advent season. 
Okay, so the first thing we want to acknowledge today is freedom. The first advantage found in Jesus is freedom. In Jesus, there is so much freedom. Freedom from fear and anxiety. Somebody in our culture say yes. Freedom from bitterness. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Freedom from brokenness from my past. Freedom from baggage from my life that's been with me for a whole long time. Free from hurt, free from bitterness, free from baggage. You know, the enemy, he works in pretty predictable ways. Wherever there is a spirit of fear, you know that's not of God. Wherever there's spirit. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. A sound mind is not a spinning mind. Jesus stops the spin in your mind. He stops the spin. I'm so glad we don't have to be people who are stuck with spinning minds, anxious for everything, and in nothing giving thanks. But we can be people of a sound mind, anxious for nothing, and in everything giving thanks. Our minds are not stressed and fear struck and stuck in the old days. No, God has given us a fresh, sound mind, a peace, sound mind. And if you look at 2020, you see a spirit of fear that came over so many people and held them hostage to a life of survival. A life of survival for many, 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 many moons and months. You know, you know COVID struck fear into so many hearts and lives. There's another spirit that the enemy poured out like poison during this pandemic, and it was a spirit of offense. Everybody got afraid, and then, if you remember, everybody got offended. And isn't, just like, isn't it just like the devil? Get everybody afraid, everybody isolated, everybody self-preserving, self-protecting, everybody looking out for number one, me, my, my four, and no more, and then a Molotov cocktail comes in of offense and gets everybody panties in a bunch. Everybody's all twisted and tied and isolated and sur surrounded by self and isolated. Where all of a sudden in our country we saw people divided, offended, and hurt. And so enamored with the pain of the past. So enamored with things from their old life. And we see such a spirit of offense. But Jesus told us it was going to be this way. That's why we have to have our eyes open to it, to address it, and to take advantage of the advantages in Jesus and confront it today. If we see offense for what it is, we can protect and eliminate one of the weapons that the enemy uses to divide people away from their purpose. We can see it coming. The Bible says in 1 Peter to be sober, to be vigilant. To see it coming and see it for what it is. Beware of the adversary, the schemes of your adversary who's trying to hold you back and block you from all the advantages of following Jesus. He says, be sober, be aware, be vigilant. You have an enemy and he doesn't like you because you look like your father. You have an enemy, he doesn't like you because you're unafraid like your father. You're not supposed to be unafraid. You're supposed to be at home afraid. He doesn't like you because you have the joy in the middle of chaos. You're not supposed to have joy. You're supposed to be depressed, suicidal. You're supposed to be like everybody else, anxious in everything. He doesn't like you because you are on to the games he plays to divide and conquer people away from God's house. He doesn't like you because you're standing in unity this morning. He's mad that you are not distracted and dreadfully anticipating the worst in 2021 because of this thing or that thing or this thing or that thing. And the truth is, we have all got to be awake to the telltale tricks of our adversary who's trying to block us from advantages in Jesus. 
And today is a day we come together, we come against the spirit of fear and say, you have no place here. We come against the spirit of offense and say, you have no place in this house. You know, the great advantage of living in life with Jesus is you don't have to live in the dark. And deception doesn't get to you. Worried with your eyes closed. Because Jesus told us this would happen. Let's look at it in Matthew 24, 5. This is Jesus speaking. He says, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not troubled like everybody else is troubled. I love Jesus. Don't be alarmed. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Tell your neighbor, the end's not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of 2020. No, it doesn't say that. It says, they will deliver. Ever say, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. It's not the end yet. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. I know you feel hated, but you're not hated. And this is terrible because we all hate being hated. Everybody loves to be loved. But then listen to this. This is it. And then many will be offended. Many will be offended. Okay, so straight away, I just want to remove any strand of condemnation in this room. If you've been offended, you are free in Jesus' name. Don't feel guilty or bad because you've been offended. Because the Bible says, and many will be offended. Many much. Most. You know what that tells me? We are all vulnerable to offense. You know why? Because we live in a really offensive world. We live where humans are. And humans are great at being humans. And it really hurts sometimes when humans are so human. Jesus said many will be offended. So if you're in here and you're shocked that you're offended today, don't be. You can be shocked. You can be offended by my shirt, my hair, this wall, the worship, the lights. You can be offended by anything, anywhere, all the time. You can be offended by Danny Wegmans. You've never even met the man. You just didn't like the way his aisles were laid out in his store. <laughs> you get, people get offended always. Don't be, don't be alarmed that you've been offended. Jesus said, you're going to be vulnerable to this attack of the enemy. This is a signature move of Satan. And then he goes on to reveal a progression. Many will be offended and they will betray one another. Wow, that hurts, doesn't it? That hurts. They will hate one another. Then false prophets will rise up to deceive many. What does this tell us? That an offended heart that does not deal with offense with Jesus rightly will be vulnerable to deception. If you are easily offended, you will be easily deceived. That's what it tells us. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But you people of hope, come on, read it with me. But you people of hope who endure to the end shall be saved from the spirit of offense. Come on now. You know what? We're going to be smarter than the devil this Advent season because Jesus is revealing to us his lame game plan. At your dinner table with your relatives, I know you just had one, you're going to be smarter than the enemy who wants to divide your family apart and make you hate each other and you're eating turkey together. Over what? Politics? Over what? Racism? Over what? The way you tie your shoes? I mean, anything could be because of what she did 17 years ago when you had that boyfriend. You know what I'm saying? Like, over what are you staying offended for? This is your family. These are the people you love. We're going to be smarter than the enemy in this Advent season. What God put together, what God unified, let no man set apart, separate. 
And the message I'm bringing you today is really a simple one. Why don't we all, in this Advent season, just opt out of offense? Raise your hand if you want to opt out of offense. Come on. We don't want to be the love of many growing cold. We want to opt out of that garbage. Opting out of the weight of offense. And I want to say this because you matter. You matter to God, and your destiny is too great, and the assignment on your life is too important for you to be taken out by something as stupid and insignificant as offense. He does not want you to be taken out by a spirit of offense or a spirit of fear in this season. Don't let the enemy make a fool of you with a trick you already know is coming to your Christmas table, to your church's table. You know, I wonder, why do you think the devil is so intent on being people getting divided in order to conquer them. What is his end game? What is his end game? Well, here's the thing about the enemy. He knows the Bible better than most believers do. And he knows that in Psalms 133, it says, how good and how pleasant it is. Those words bother him. When people, brothers and sisters, dwell together in unity. For there the Lord commands blessing favor prosperity goodness he reads this and he's like oh that here's what i can do what could i do if it's a good and pleasant environment people like good and pleasant environments did you know that last month 55 brand new vips came into this house for the first time to worship with us you know why 55 people came in the middle of a crisis why because unity is good and pleasant and people like good and pleasant places, the enemy knows. That's where people are going to be drawn to. And they might come to hope, and they might be freed from their baggage of their past. They might be freed from the pain of their past with Jesus and be set free. So the enemy says, I'm going to have to do something about that. we got to break up this unity blessing thing. I know what I'll do. I'll get everybody afraid, and then I'll get them all isolated, and then I'll throw my sneak attack of the spirit of offense. Oh, God. Sneak attack. I'll get them all mad at each other, betraying one another, hurt by one another. Oh, he hurt me so bad. Yeah, it's a plan. It has more, more to do with less of you than you think it is. And he will attempt to divide and conquer. But I love Romans 12, 21, our last verse from the last series. Don't be overcome with evil. Don't be taken out by other people's offense, but overcome offense with good. Go on the offense and overcome it with divi division with strong unity. Go on the offense and overcome negative talk with powerful positive talk. Go on the offense when you're being offended. And when everyone's seeing what's wrong with your company, what's wrong with your boss, what's wrong with your coworkers, what's wrong with your church, talk about what's right. Celebrate what's right. Overcome the evil message with the message of good. See, you were not created to bear the burden of offense for any political party, the burden of offense for any church parties, the burden of offense for any member of your family's party. You were not created to bear other people's offenses. You were meant to live free. Free. I'm going to say free. It's one of the advantages you have for giving others who will inevitably hurt you. There are two types of people in this world, people who've been hurt and people who have been hurt more. That's it. And just because it's a church doesn't mean you don't get hurt. Just because it's a community of brothers and sisters of the faith doesn't mean people aren't people. It happens right here. Why? Because we are all human and we're really good at being humanoids. If I haven't offended you yet, don't worry, I will. If a leader hasn't offended you yet, don't worry, they will. 
If that beautiful person in their Christmas sweater hasn't across the road, hasn't offended you yet, don't worry. You don't know them, but they will offend you. Somehow they will get under your skin and bother you somehow. I'm sure they will. They're all human. Jesus doesn't say it won't happen. He says, be aware of the spirit of offense. Be aware of the schemes of the enemy. Be vigilant. Be awake to it. Don't let it separate what I'm trying to join together. The people of God. The house of God. The heart of God. Exemplified across many different types of people with many different backgrounds that really don't see eye to eye on so many things. I'm trying to create something like a mosaic. More beautiful than one ideology. More beautiful than one political party. More beautiful than one family discussion. What I'm building, it's bigger than you by yourself. And you're going to have to stand with people that are not like you. With one name, name of Jesus. Declaring, lifting up one name, Jesus' name. That's what we're building this church on. Not people and preferences. We're building it on the name and the foundation of Jesus Christ. Come on, give him some praise. He is worth building your life on. He's worth building a church on. And this is just one of the advantages of following Jesus' freedom from offense. So today I want to give you a checklist to identify and fight offense. I shared this with our volunteers, Impact Night, and they just loved it so much. There were so many requests to hear it again and to see it again. So we had to share it on a Sunday. Are you excited? Number one way. Here it is. Number one way on your checklist of offense. All the offended people, how do you know if you're offended? All the offended people offer their garbage to you. You will find that you draw into your life what's inside of you. People should feel uncomfortable complaining to you. They should feel uncomfortable bringing to you all their gossip and offense about someone else's life and reality. But unfortunately, some people are like honing pigeons for the offended. They say birds of a feather, they flock together, and all of a sudden they're like, that's weird. All the offended people are having lunch together. They're on a line of pigeons, and they're all sharing their stories of how they've been hurt so bad by so many people. Isn't it funny how offended people find each other? And you have to ask yourself the question, what's in me that everybody feels comfortable in risking their relationship to take their garbage and dump it in my ears like garbage cans? My ears are not trash cans. Keep your baggage to yourself. Even Gandhi says, I will not let anyone walk through my mind with their dirty feet. I'm offended. He's talking about Gandhi in church. Even the unchurched, even the ungodly, even the people who don't know Jesus, no. You don't want to let anybody's dirty feet walk through your mind. No no trespassing with your dirt and your drama on my clean mind. Keep your feet off of this thing. Get out of my mind with your offense. I am a drama dissolver, not a drama dispenser. Come on, I diffuse drama. I shut it down. I don't diffuse it. I shut it down. I'm not here to spread it. I'm here to shut it down. And if people don't feel uncomfortable sharing offense with you, how is it it that you have become a place of safety for their drama? Something in you is being drawn to that drama. Could it maybe what's on the inside of you somehow be on the inside of them and you're connecting on a level that doesn't make sense? And do I need to ask myself and say, what's in me that's attracting other people with all this garbage to me? Why do they feel so safe here? Is it have something to do with my heart and my offense? 
This is how we're to deal with offense, actually, because offenses are inevitable. Jesus said, we will all be offended. Matthew 18 says this, if another believer offends you, sins against you, go privately. Not to your friend. Don't shout it from the rooftops. Don't go talk about it on social media. Go to the person that did the wrong. Don't go to the friend that's like, oh, man, you are so wronged, and they are so bad, and you just tell you everything you want to hear, so you're right in your offense. Instead of that natural immaturity, go directly to the person and talk to them. Have a conversation with them. If you can't just shake it off and be gracious, and it really lingers, go directly to the person. That's Jesus telling us. Keep it private and talk to them. You hurt me. I'm not sure if you meant it or not, but you did. And you hurt me, and I need to tell you. And our relationship is way too important for us to be divided over something this stupid. Then the Bible says, if the other person listens to you, confesses it, you've won them back. And shouldn't that be the goal of every brother and sister in Christ? Reconciliation? Where we come back, sometimes I think we're so superior when we get offended. Like we got something on somebody else, and we're rightful in our offense. Because we have something. Now I'm the overlord, and I have all this stuff against you, and I can't, the reason I can walk into a room and ignore you completely and be totally right is because you offended me, and you were wrong. That's why I don't need to talk to you. And you hold it over their head like a ledger, and you draw other people to yourself who have the same kind of offense. And you're really guilty in God's eyes. What does the Bible tell us in the book of Proverbs? It says there are Six things the Lord hates. Wait, seven are abomination to him, abominable to him. And that seventh one doesn't just hate, he calls it abominable. It's like, it's like the abominable snowman. Everybody hates him. The one who sows discord among the brethren. There's six things the Lord hates. Wait, seven. And the seventh is the worst. The one who sows discord among the church. One who's continually stirring up the cauldron of crap in the church. God hates it. Don't let that be you. Say, I won't let that be me. You don't want to be the person obsessing over the speck in somebody else's eye when you have a beam sticking out of yours. Don't partner with division. Don't partner with the devil. Division is demonic, period. Division is demonic. It's the opposite of unity, which is good and lovely. And the devil is brilliant at division. He doesn't need any associates. Instead, be known for what you are for, what God is for. Unity keepers, peacemakers, drama dissolvers. Be known as the person who says, that's nice. I'm not garbage can. Stop dumping your garbage in my ears. I don't want to hear it. Be known for person who protects unity. People who speak life and blessing, not hate death and cursing against another person instead of destroying what God said he was going to build make up your mind I will build his church I will build people's lives I will not tear down people's lives with my words I will build people's lives with my words with my energy with my efforts I'm a builder I'm a protector of unity and good and pleasant blessing I want to be the Psalms 133 church that says I want to protect unity where there is unity there is a blessing Ephesians 4.3 says, be eager, just like be aware, be eager and strive earnestly, like really hard, work at this, to guard and keep the unity. So guard and protect what God is building by overcoming evil with good. A message of dissent with a message of honor, where we lift people up instead of tearing them down. Number one, all the offended people are drawn to you. How are we doing? Number two, you're lonely. 
Number two, how do I know if I'm susceptible to offense? You're lonely. It's so sad to see someone who, because of offenses that they've carried and not released to God, they actually have built a fence around their lives. And on that fence is a little sign that says, beware, attack dog inside. And it's keeping people out. It's stopping them from enjoying relationship with you. They say things like, I don't have any friends. I want friends and I'm lonely. But they don't realize the fence says, enter at your own risk. You will be destroyed. I don't know why I don't have any friends. Breathe the fire-breathing dragon. I don't know why I don't have any friends. The dragon says, maybe it's because you incinerate everybody who has a different point of view than you. Or says something that you don't like. I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely. you got to be gracious. You know what I've realized in life? Not everybody's going to think how you think. Believe what you believe. Act how you act. Nor are they going to have the same upbringing and the same life experiences and the same perspectives. And it's different than yours. So stop breathing fire at everybody who does not agree with everything you say. Well, it's in the Bible. Shouldn't they agree? Maybe they're not there. Maybe they're not there yet. How about you meet them where they're at instead of incinerating them for having a different point of view? And bring them closer to what's truth. I know this woman, she had an abortion. And she was hanging out with some of her Christian friends. And they didn't know about the abortion. But she had this abortion and she was hanging out with a whole group of new ladies. And this one person was just going on a tyrant. Just about how terrible abortion was. And this other person who has had an abortion in their life been refreshed and renewed in the blood of Jesus. She's just so offended by this casual disgust from a believer. But oftentimes when people hurt you, you are so angry, you're so wronged, and you're asking yourself, asking other people, asking God, don't they know how I feel? Don't they know what I've been through, how insensitive that was, just going on a tyrant against who I am and what happened in my life? Don't they know that they might not know everything about what happened leading up to that decision? Don't they know how bad that hurt me based on my past, based on my perspective, based on my life experiences? Don't they know what it did to me when they said that? And the answer is no. They don't know. How could they know what it feels like? See, you're offended, but you're judging someone else based on your life experiences. You're placing judgment on them because they don't understand how you feel. How could they know how you feel? You don't even know how you feel most of the time. And can I take it a little step further as believers? You shouldn't want them to know how you feel. You shouldn't want them to know what it's like to see your kid strung out on drugs, walking in streets, playing with semi-trucks. Because he's so high, he can't keep his, his head on straight. You shouldn't want them to know what it's like to have your spouse cheat on you. Well, don't they know? No, they don't, and they don't need to know. You shouldn't want people to know what it's like to be betrayed, what it's like to be abused, what it's like to be discriminated against. Why would you want anybody to know that? Why can't you just, you shouldn't want them to know what it's like to walk a mile in your shoes. Isn't it enough that you went through it? Isn't it enough that you felt it, that you experienced it, that you bore the pain of that child, of that thing, of that pain from your past? Isn't it enough that you've been hurt? You need everybody else to know the hurt that you went through personally. 
You can love people who've gone through the same thing like other people can't. But you can have a grace for those who might not understand the pain that you went through. Maybe they don't have the scars that you've had. Maybe they haven't walked the hard miles that you've walked. But the problem is we live in a world where everybody is obsessed with everybody understanding how we feel. I don't want you to feel my pain. I want you to be free of pain. Can, Can it ever be enough that God knows how you feel? That he is a high priest that is in touch with the hurt and the pain of your past. Isn't it enough that God can say, hey, I see it. I see how they hurt you. I know that hurt you. What they were saying about your past, they didn't mean what they said to hurt you. You don't need to be some kind of vigilante and write them a a strongly worded letter based on a past experience that they don't even know you've had. How could they be so insensitive? Just let it go and forgive the ignorant. And don't expect everybody to be in touch with the feelings of your infirmity. There is one man, one Jesus, one God person who is in touch with the way you feel. It's a verse in the Bible. He knows how you feel. Isn't that enough? They can't save you anyways. He knows how you feel and he can do something about healing the pain from your past. If we don't learn to be gracious, you're going to be lonely because people are offensive. Jesus said it. We've all been offended. We will all be offended. And as long as there are people, there will be offense. People say terrible things, most of which they don't mean. I mean, I've found that most people aren't being mean on purpose. There are a few that are, and we got to forgive them too. But most people are just thoughtless. I wasn't thinking. I was just thoughtless. I don't know that that was a thing. But if we could be gracious, everybody say gracious. Proverbs tells us a person that is slow to anger is blessed. If I could say anything to our politically charged, our divisionally charged America right now, it'd be, whoa, don't be so fast to anger because people don't understand how you feel. Take a minute. Take a breath. Don't be so absorbed with all the anger emotion that everybody's expressing. So maybe you're lonely today because you put a fence around your life because you're so, so gosh darn sensitive and you need everybody to be in touch with how you feel and people honestly they're afraid of you i'm lonely the bible says if you show yourself friendly gracious you will never be lonely you have a lot of friends if you show yourself an attack dog inside fire breathing dragon you will be lonely i promise you no matter who you call lord and savior people are nervous because they don't know what to say They don't know how to to do what you want them to do. They don't know what to do when they're around you. And it's just easier to avoid you. I'm speaking truth. God wants so much more for you than loneliness and pushing people away that don't have the same life experiences, ideas, or attitudes that you have. He wants to take advantage of the freedom found in not constantly thinking everyone's out to hurt me. Not everybody's out. Nobody likes me, so I'm always on edge trying to protect myself. You don't need to live there. You can be free from that today. Take advantage of the blood of Jesus, of real forgiveness and real freedom. Point number three on the offense checklist, your offenses are being echoed in your children. They're being echoed in your children and not in a good way. What you hate, they hate and not in a good way. What you talk around the dinner table with your little kids around you, it matters. It matters. But I want to show them, I want to warn them of the dangers of the world. Believe me, life will show them. You know what you need to do? 
Be the counsel that says, you were hurt, son. You were wounded, daughter. All right, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to be normal. We're not going to be talking negative about everybody who hurt you. We're not going to be like everybody else. We're not going to be powerless victims of our other people's actions. Other people's actions do not make us powerless victims. Here's what we're going to do instead. We're going to take action, and we are going to forgive. Forgive first. That's right. We're going to forgive when we did nothing wrong. We're going to forgive when nobody said sorry. We're going to forgive when we feel hurt. We're going to set ourselves free through forgiveness. We forgive. We forgive. And you know what? What happened to you was not right, son. It was not fair, daughter. What's not just, honey. But our response as believers is we forgive because of our freedom's sake, not theirs. Let's practice. I forgive so-and-so for such and such. Instead of going on tyrants all around our dinner table with our kids, I forgive so-and-so out loud for such and such. And they have no idea they hurt you most of the time. They have no idea they offended you most of the time. And they honestly probably have no idea that you exist most of the time. And your offense is holding you captive, son, not them. But as soon as you take action, you are no longer a powerless victim of other people's actions. As soon as you take action, you are a powerful victor in Jesus. You say, you can't hold me here forever. I take action. I forgive you for such and such. Well, what if they didn't say they were sorry? They probably don't. They probably won't. It's forgive them anyways. It's not about you getting something from them, their apology, their sorry. It's about you being set free from them for the rest of your life. Take advantage of the advantages of Jesus. I remember interacting with people that I thought were just cruel and mean to me, feeling singled out by coaches, wronged by friends, hurt by church people. And now, honestly, I think of those things as gifts. They're really gifts to my life, packed full of potential to promote us. When people hurt you, it's packed full of potential to promote you, to pass a test. I think that's why Paul said, consider it pure joy when people speak evil about you, when people hurt you with their words, when you run into challenges, because that is what matures you and puts you on the path to promotion. If you don't pass the test, you can't move forward because this is what matures us as believers, awareness and forgiveness. If you don't pass the test when you're seven, you'll have to pass it when you're 17. If you don't pass it when you're 17, you're going to have to hit it when you're 27. Only the stakes will be higher every time you hold bitterness and your life will be destroyed in its future every time you hold on to unforgiveness. Pass the test. People will always somewhere hurt you, offend you. Jesus said it so many times. I love my parents' preparation for life when it came to offense. As parents, they were more interested, way more interested in my future's preparation than they were my feelings' protection. I'll say it again. As as parents, they were way more interested in investing way more in my future's preparation than my feelings being protected. I remember coming home to mom and dad in high school, whining about being a victim of Mr. So-and-so and and Mrs. So-and-so. They did this and such and such. And their response was so consistent, no matter the offense. I was like, mom, can you believe it? They did me such wrong. Dad, go put them in their place. Go tell them off. Go take care of some business and, and defend my broken heart, mom. Defend my broken heart, dad, with that coach. And they would say, I could go down there and tear them a new one. I could go read them the riot act. I could go put him in his place, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach you 
that you are going to go through life with people that don't treat you fairly. People that are not kind. And you have to learn the lesson to be able to thrive in spite of unkindness. And when you go back into that environment tomorrow by yourself without me holding your hand, act as if the coach loves you. He wants to hear what you have to say. And you can make a difference and with your consistency in the middle of that controversy. Act as if he loves you. He wants to hear what you have to say. And you can make a difference with your consistency as a teenager in the middle of your controversy. Remember that this is high school, son. And the stakes are really, 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 really low. I mean, how much of an impact did 10th grade have on your life? There's a whole lot of life ahead of you. That's way more important than your feelings being hurt. I'm trying to get you future preparation success. So I can either swoop in and save you, mom and dad, or I can teach you to soar above the fray for the rest of your life. This pain in your heart is a a gift package to you, son. Pass the test. Get promoted. This pain in your heart, this real life wrong against you, is a gift package to you. Pass the test. Hit the promotion. And I was never not protected. I was never not heard by my parents. They heard me out. But more importantly, I was prepared to face problematic people for the rest of my life that were inevitably coming against me. I'm so thankful. Thank you, Mom and Dad. I honor you today for investing in my life future. So, yes, son, daughter, this is unjust. This is unfair. But you are not a a powerless victim that needs rescued. You are a powerful victor who is more resilient because of the pain coming against you. You are not a powerless victim that needs rescued. Everybody say, don't rescue me. Come on, you are a powerful victor who is more resilient because pain has come into your life. Learn the lesson, pass the test. I could rescue, but instead, I want to create resilience inside of you. Because guess what, son? You are training for reigning. You are born to soar. And you will never be able to get up there with the eagles when you're clucking with the chickens. Upset and acting like every other person who gets mad. At somebody hurting them and here's the thing you don't need to get vengeance for yourself you don't need to defend yourself God is your defender God is your vindicator forgive them and take advantage of the blood of Jesus setting you free through your forgiveness I wonder what your kids are echoing this morning because I'm telling you you don't want to reap the harvest of the seeds that you're sowing if you are just carving people every night at dinner you're sitting around the dinner table like a, like a Thanksgiving dinner table, and carving turkeys, but their names are Pastor so-and-so, and their names are Coach so-and-so, and their names are Officer so-and-so, and their names are so-and-so. Any authority? Oh, did you hear that, Pastor? You hear that, Leader? Can you believe what my coworker did to me? Can you believe my boss is such an animal? Are you preparing them for when they have a boss someday? And you're carving people up like a roasted turkey on Thanksgiving every day, and you're feeding it to your kids, and you're surprised by the harvest you sow when they hit 18, and they can't stand you because you're the authority in their life saying, be home by 11. You're shocked and ruffled when your kids don't want to go to church anymore. I brought you to church my whole life. Yeah, but you taught me how to carve people who are in authority every night at dinner. All the time. And they say things like, I don't believe in God. I don't like church. I think Christians are a bunch of jerks. I hate coaches. I hate officer. Bosses are bad. Teachers suck. And you're surprised at the harvest when you've been sowing seeds of division every night 
for the last 12 years, your offenses are being echoed in your children. Don't look at them and say, whoa, that one fell far from the tree. Look at them and say, that's an echo of my reality. I have a blind spot. I want to be set free. I want to be set free. I want to be set free. Paul said, Paul said, you're offended. You're hurt with one another. And it will trouble you. It doesn't trouble them. It troubles you. Who does it trouble to have an offense against someone? It troubles you and your children after you. Okay, point number four. Am I carrying an offense on the checklist? Here it is. I'm about to offend some people. You're not praying. How do I know if I'm carrying offense? You're not praying. Well, that's presumptuous. How dare you? I'm offended during the offense message. Well, it's obvious because how can you be talking to him and not talking to them? John said, how can you believe in a God and love a God who you can't see, but you hate your brother who you can see? You've let offense linger too long. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So basically God is saying there is an expiration date on your offense. You're allowed to be angry up until right now. You get until the sun goes down. To that point, you can call them names. You can kick a hole in the, in the wall. You can be sad. You can have a pity party. You can pout and mope and be angry. But when you see that sun going down, it's a heavenly reminder from your heavenly father who loves you way too much to leave you in this dysfunction for you to lay, stay here and lay here in your dysfunction. He will say, I love you too much for that. That's enough now. You let it all out. Have a good cry. Because I love you, there is an expiration date. I don't want you to stay here inside. Don't, they've stolen this whole day. Don't let them steal another day of your destiny. Don't let them have one more moment of your mind space. Don't let their dirty feet walk across your clean mind. One more time. They've stolen enough from you already. The past 30 years of bitterness, let it go. They're stealing your future destiny. Now I'll let you have a minute. Get out of your system. Listen to you like any good husband would. She did what? What? No. I can't believe. Are you? But then let it go and forgive. Okay, what are we going to do with this now? It happened. It hurts. Now what are we going to do now? Because you can't stay with your panties in a bunch forever. It's uncomfortable. Not for them. For you. You need to adjust. You need to adjust. Everybody say, I need to adjust. Because offense hurts you, Paul says. It doesn't hurt the other person. They're wedgie free. That's right. I'm very offended. Okay. I'm offended with the wedgie talk. Okay. It's very uncomfortable. You need to adjust for your sake. That's all I'm saying. If you have an offense, you're not praying. Well, how dare you? My gosh. Because when you get into it with God and you do what he says to do every single day, my father who's in heaven, awesome is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Today, give me my daily bread and forgive me just as I forgive those. When you pray, pray this every day and forgive those who have offended me. You can't get too far with Jesus in prayer life. Everyday prayers when you have an offense. If you're holding an offense today, you're telling the world, I'm not praying and I don't believe this garbage. The book of Mark tells us whenever you stand praying, if you find, you got to go find it. If there's anything in me, you got to go look for it. Find means you're looking for it. Because you want to be forgiven just as you forgive those who trespass against your heart. 
If you find something carrying it in your heart against, that you're carrying in your heart against another person, what do we do? Release them and forgive them so that <laughs> your Father in heaven will also release you and forgive you of your faults. It's hard to talk to a God that you keep on rejecting every day through bitterness and offense. Release them. Release them. I'm going to say, Musfaba. <laughs> just kidding. Release. I'm going to say, release them. I was just seeing who was paying attention. Thank you for not saying Musfaba. Father, I thank you that when you came and my sins were as red as scarlet and I was a jacked up mess, I thank you that I became a recipient of your mercy, which literally means an undeserved chance that I did not need to get. But you gave it to me anyways. And far be it from me to not extend the same mercy to those who have hurt me and hurt my family and hurt my friends. I release it to you. Some of you are saying right now, oh, it's not my problem, Pastor. I'm just mad for other people, how they hurt my mom, how they hurt my sister. It's the same thing. Release them. You are not created to bear other people's offense. You can't be mad for someone. I love the scripture, 1 Peter 2.23, Jesus did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered on that cross. He left his case in the hands of God, who always, always, everybody say always, always always judges fairly. I know that I'm talking to people today who've been bitterly wounded by the church world, by the friend world, by the father, the parental world. Been very, very hurt, very disappointed, very attacked, very broken by other people's words and actions against you. But this same principle applies to the little things and the big things. You might think, I'm coming after you today. I'm attacking you today. But I'm trying to be your friend today to say, take advantage and be free in the name of Jesus. There is freedom available in Jesus. And if you leave your case in God's hands... He always judges fairly. Always. A lot of us don't want to do that because we want them to pay for what they did. We want to receive mercy when I sin. Oh, but when they mess up, I want justice. Give me justice. When you do it, I want justice. Jesus tells a story of a person like me who was forgiven a great debt that he could never, ever pay back. They come to this benevolent father whose mercies are brand new every morning. And he receives forgiveness. He says, I forgive you completely of a debt that you can never pay back. And that same person goes to another person who he probably went to church. He probably had a Jesus fish on the back of his car, a WWJD bracelet on his neck and and arm. He went to his brother that owed him a much lesser debt and said, you better pay me what you have right now. And the guy said, I'll pay you. Just give me a few weeks. I'll give you everything back. I'll give you your money. I can do this debt. And instead of extending the same mercy that he himself found, he held him and said, I want justice. He threw him into prison over a much smaller debt. But you know what? God was watching. And the Bible says the angels were watching. you got to look out for angels because they're tattletales. <laughs> the Bible says the angels were watching. This is Jesus telling a parable. He says, the angels were watching. And they said to God, did you just see what your servant did? The one whom you forgave that great, impayable debt? He went out and demanded justice on somebody who owed him much less Right after you forgave him for so much more than he could ever be free from. And he would not extend the same mercy. We we have got to be better than this, people of hope. Come on. Have you forgotten 
of what you've been forgiven from? Because if you remember what you've been forgiven from, you will forgive so much. If you realize who you are without grace, without the grace extended to you, you will extend so much more grace towards people who hurt you. If I could get the worship team to come up. The Bible says, or, or, or the keys. The Bible says the world will know that we are his kids by our love. We might say, well, but they owe me, and I'm hurt, and I deserve to be honored. I shouldn't be treated this way. I'm too valuable to, not, to, to feel the way they're making me feel right now, and it's not okay. And guess what? You are right. They shouldn't be treating you like that. But can I give you a really good tip? You've got to find your value and your affirmation from God and his word. And then you won't need people to affirm you so much out there. See, a lot of us get offended, and it's because we're not praying. We're not extending what we've been given. We can't forgive. And when we don't forgive, we aren't ourselves forgiven. And then we're actually tossed in the same prison that we set up for somebody else. We're the person who's trapped, not them. I won't forgive them. Great. You are trapped. They're not. I'm going to hold it against them. Great. You're in more of a prison than they are. And even though it hurts, offense can only ever be a flesh wound. Write it down. Offense will never be fatal. Offense can't kill you. Don't be afraid of it. It can't kill you to get your feelings hurt. <laughs> it can't kill you to be abused by somebody. They can hurt you, but they can't kill you. Because we need to know that our sense of value and worth, it was never in their hands to begin with. It was never in your friend's hands. It was never in your father's hands. It was never in your boss's hands. It was never in the closest people's to you hands. They never get to decide what your life is worth. Your life matters or not is not up to them. They never get to decide how valuable you actually are. You are always meant to hear those words from your heavenly father. And he, who he says you are, that will set you free. You don't need their sorry. You need forgiveness. And to hear the voice of your father saying, you are my beloved son. You are an amazing daughter. I love you so much. When they say it, it's nice. When people are like, great job. You did great. But when God says it, when he says it, my goodness, it changes everything. You get affirmation. You get freedom. You get wholeness. Are you drinking from the wrong stream today? Are you drinking from the wrong well today? Find your worth in the name of Jesus. Today, I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never found your freedom from what other people did to you, Jesus can save you from that pain. Jesus can save you from that hurt. He's the God who says, you don't have to trust everybody. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. But he never says, trust people with all your heart. But he does command us to love our neighbors, everybody, and forgive everybody. And it's not for their sake. It's for yours. Jesus is smart. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be out of the prison of offense. If you've never had a relationship with Jesus, it's really hard to forgive the people from your past. Because there's something called the blood of Jesus that washes and wipes it sounds weird. It sounds morbid. It's just simply, he paid for something so you don't have to. And when you put your trust in Jesus, 
and you allow his blood to cover your past, he actually sets you free from everything that you can't let go of by yourself. Today, I want to encourage you. Be free in the blood of Jesus. Be free by setting them free. Believe me, he's the God who always judges fairly. Always means always. The reason he didn't retaliate when he was hurt is because he serves a God who sees it, who knows it, and knows, man, I got so much mercy. If they don't get it, I know he's going to judge fairly. I know he's going to judge fairly. My part is to forgive and be free. I want to encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, take advantage. Take advantage of being free from the inside out through forgiveness and the blood of Jesus. Today, if you've walked away from Jesus, maybe you used to relate to him, but you stopped for any reason, you want to get back into relationship with Jesus, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to simply raise your hand and say, that's me, as an act of faith. I want to relate to Jesus again because my pain is holding me back from my past, and I actually want freedom. I actually want deliverance. If that's you today, maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never opened up your life to him, and your past is just holding you back. I want to tell you, you can be free today from all the things that hurt you. Put your trust in Jesus. Ask him to pay for something that you can't pay for by yourself. Ask him to deal with things that you can never make right. Maybe the person who hurt you is dead. Maybe the person who hurt you is long gone. You can't get words from them. You can't get closure from them. The only one who can close that is Jesus Christ. And he wants you to live free from whatever pain is in your past. Today on the count of three, I'm going to ask you as an act of faith to say, I'm trusting in Jesus, in my past, in my present, and to be free in my future. I believe who he is, and I want him to set me free today from the inside out. If that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, I'd love to pray with you right where you're at today. One, come on, don't wait. Two, you can be free today. Three, that's me. Put your hand up. I want to see it, and I'll pray with you right where you're at today. You want to get right with Jesus. You want to get into relationship with Jesus for the first time. I want to ask you to just raise your hand as an act of faith today. I know it. Thank you. Thank you, sweetie. That's incredible. Thank you. Thank you, honey. Maybe you used to have a relationship with him. It's grown cold. You're still hurting. I'm telling you there's freedom available. There's an advantage in Jesus. He can give you a fresh start. And his mercy is brand new today, which means you get another chance in that relationship freedom. Come on, can we celebrate these decisions today, Hope Church? Come on. The Bible says it's so easy to be set free. All you got to do is believe in your heart and ask Jesus into your life, and you can be rescued, saved. Believe in your heart and ask him with your mouth. The same process goes for forgiveness. I believe he can help me, and I'm going to say it out loud. I'm going to forgive so-and-so. For such and such. Today I forgive so and so for such and such. It's a heart and mouth activity. It'll set you free all the way. Let's do it today, Jesus. Come on, church, let's do it together with these people. Jesus, today I trust you to wash me in your blood, to forgive me of all my sins as I forgive those who have hurt me. I ask you to wash me Set me free from the pain. I trust that you can do what I cannot do. 
And today I want healing. Today I want wholeness. Today I want to be delivered of this thing. So I surrender it to you. I give you all that I have. Make me a new creation. Give me a bright future. Come on, freedom in Jesus' name. Everybody said, let it be so.